fantastic. We need the sound right up. Thanks, David. Theater. Paul and Felix. This is Paul. Oh, hey. Who told people about Jesus in lots of different places. That's Many of the Jews did not like what Paul was doing. <laughs> so they made a plot to kill him. Since Paul was a Roman citizen, he was taken in by the Romans. Oh. So they could find out what the Jews had against him. Paul was sent to Felix, the governor at Caesarea. The Jews brought their case before Felix. They said that Paul was a troublemaker and was stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. <laughs> then Paul got his chance to speak. He said that he was not stirring up trouble at all and that these men couldn't prove the things they said of him. <laughs> Paul said that he believed everything in the Jewish law for he was a Jew himself and a follower of Jesus. Then Felix concluded the council and pushed it off until someone else could decide the case. He ordered Paul to be put in prison, but his friends could still visit him and take care of him. A few days later, Felix and his wife, who was a Jew, sent for Paul. Paul told them all about his faith in Jesus and the truth of what Jesus said. Felix became afraid and sent Paul away. For the next two years, Felix would call Paul before him and talk with him often. Felix hoped that Paul would bribe him, but that did not happen. After two years of this, Felix was replaced by a new leader. Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jews, so he left Paul in prison. Paul would go on to have many more trials, but through it all, he continued to speak the truth of Jesus. There we go. A quick little snapshot of what was happening in the life of Paul. So Paul loved Jesus. He was a Jew, but then he discovered who Jesus was and he began to follow Jesus. And then the Jews began to persecute him and put him in jail and beat him up and do things to him that were not very nice. And Paul continued on and was in prison. And I was trying to think about what I would share about this morning as I finish our series on Paul. And I was thinking about, I could talk about his shipwreck and kids, there's a hint, shipwreck, it starts with S, shipwreck, doesn't matter about spelling, just write it down, shipwreck, good job Sam, oh no, I thought you had the sheet there, no, that's right. <laughs> I could have talked about Paul's shipwreck, how, how he went through the, the, the challenges of being shipwrecked at sea, that uh, they, they nearly put him to death because the, the ship was going to sink and the, the Roman guards said, let's kill all the prisoners so they don't escape, but they, they get spared and then they go on to a, a deserted island and I could have talked about how Paul got bitten by a poisonous snake and I'm sure that was really painful. God miraculously saved his life and he lived on. I could have talked about how he got arrested, that starts with A, arrested. Uh, I could have talked about how he got beaten up or put in prison or um, got sent to court and had so many things happen in his life. Paul had some really, really hard times. But what I want to talk about this morning isn't actually about Paul so much at all. What I want to talk about is the God that he relied on through the hard times that he went through. You know, who likes getting picked on? Who likes getting pushed around, called names, beaten up? No one likes those things. <laughs> Normally. <laughs> It's not very normal to like getting picked on, beaten up, 
accused of things you haven't done. Paul suffered some terrible things for things that he had done rightly. He got persecuted for those things. And chances are we won't get put in jail if we believe in Jesus. Chances are if you talk to your friends about Jesus, they might call you names, they might think you're weird, but you probably won't get put in jail. That's a good thing. Lord, keep it that way in this nation. Chances are we won't suffer those kinds of things. But I think the thing that is really hard for us to to get our brains around sometimes is how Paul suffered and when he suffered and when we suffer. Because if you think about Paul's life, Paul didn't suffer when he was the God-loving Jewish man who hated Jesus and the followers of Jesus. He wasn't getting beaten up. He wasn't getting put in prison. He wasn't having stones thrown at him and put in prison for those things. He didn't go through the suffering when he was doing those things. It was after he discovered who Jesus was and began to follow Jesus. Now, we'd like to think, surely Paul was suffering because he was doing bad things and then he discovered who Jesus was, he surrendered his life to Jesus and then everything was wonderful. That's the story we like to think is true sometimes. And kids, I want to encourage you this morning that just because bad things are happening in your life, maybe there's someone picking on you at school, maybe someone you know is suffering, maybe someone you know is sick, just because bad things are happening in your life doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Just because bad things happen to people in your life doesn't mean God loves them any less. Sometimes we have an idea that because if God loves us, nothing bad would happen. But it's just not true, as we're going to talk about this morning. Sometimes one of the, one of the biggest questions people ask, I think, that uh, challenges them to get their head around the Christian message is, how can a loving God allow bad things to happen to good people? How many people have heard that question before? And it's a, it's a tricky question. It's a big question. It's a question I've wrestled with. I've had challenges lying on my couch with a broken back in absolute agony for months and thinking, God, why did you let this happen? God, why do you let bad things happen when we want to do good things even for you, God? Why do, why do sicknesses come? Why do these things happen? Why do we have to wrestle with these things, God? Even if we know you, we love you, we've surrendered our life to you, we can struggle with why these things happen. And just this week, one of Rochelle's good friends lost her husband, um, only a little bit older than us, had a young child, only a few months old, and he's just passed away. And we could think, why, God, do you let that happen? It's so hard. Praise God, he knew Jesus. He was sharing with the, the, the nurses and doctors that were treating him up until his last moment. He was sharing about the hope that he had in Jesus. And I, I pray that that might impact some of those people's lives. And I know his, his family know God. They, they love Jesus. But it doesn't take away the pain of the suffering, does it? You know, we're not the only ones to wrestle with that question. If you read through the Psalms, you read David's Psalms and he's saying, God, why do you let these people get away with these things? God, how long are you going to allow these things to happen? Maybe you're at school and someone's picking on you and you're praying, God, help this person to know your love and stop being mean to everyone. And you're thinking, God, how long are you going to let this happen for? And it's hard. But God still loves us. God is no less real because we go through suffering and trials. I wonder if anyone, has anyone ever got in trouble from their parents? 
Okay, if your hand is not up, you're telling lies. And you should be getting in trouble from your parents right now. So we've all got in trouble before. But imagine one day your parents come to you, you've done something wrong, and they say to you, you've been a very naughty boy, you've been a very naughty girl, and uh, you're going to have to clean up this big mess that you've made. And you're thinking, I don't like this. I don't like being told off. This is making me suffer. This is hard. I wonder if you've ever said, I don't believe in you, Dad. It doesn't really make any sense. But sadly, some people in this life, they, they see the suffering that is happening in the world. They see things that are happening in their lives and they say, God, if this is happening, you can't be real. I don't believe in you. Maybe you've got some friends' kids that you talk about Jesus, you talk about God's love for them, and they say, how could God be real if this and this and this is happening? But I've got to tell you that just because someone doesn't believe in God doesn't mean he doesn't exist, and it doesn't mean he doesn't love that person. God exists, he loves us, and he cares about us even though we suffer. I want to play a little clip from the movie, not from the case for Christ, but from a movie called Paul, the Apostle of Christ. Um, I want to encourage you to get a copy of that. It's for older audiences, it's not for kids. And it's not the kind of movie, I had thought we might have played it as a movie night, but I sort of thought, I don't know if that's the kind of thing we'd play in a movie night. I think it's something for you to watch at home maybe, and for you just to get on your knees and pray to God afterwards. But I want to play this little clip from the movie, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. And it's a scene where Paul and Luke are together. Paul's in prison in Rome, and Luke comes to see him, and he's writing down the, the story of, of Paul's life. He's writing the, the book of Acts. Um, as he meets with, with Paul. And as he meets with Paul on this day, Luke is struggling big time with the suffering that is happening to the people who are following Jesus. The people in Rome are being put to death day by day by day. They are being slaughtered. Nero has been started games to, to put these Christians to death and he is struggling big time. There's people within the community of, of Christians that are that are saying, we've got, to, we've got to do something about this. We've got to retaliate. We can't let these people keep, keep killing us. We've got, to, we've got to take revenge on these people. And Luke's wrestling with these things. He's struggling big time and saying, God, what do you expect of us? And he comes and he meets with Paul. I want you to listen to the way Paul responds to Luke as they talk together in this clip. Thanks, guys. Can we just dim the lights too? Just slide that slider down. Thanks, Dave. And we need the sound right up. Sorry. Maybe can we just go Tarquin. back to the start of the clip so we don't miss that first bit. Sorry, just I... There was a young Roman boy, Tarquin. He was killed in the streets last night. He was beloved by the community. Most of them trust the way. But he has this cousin who's... He's dividing them poor. This growing faction of young men that they want to retaliate. They want revenge. We cannot repay evil for evil. Evil can only be overcome with good. Well, considering all they've been through, 
can you really fault their response, Paul? What did you tell them? Love is the only way. And after all you've seen, you still don't believe it. This isn't anything I've seen. My God. This is a world in the grip of evil. This, this, this is Nero Circus. It's, it's, it's passionate hate. Blood washing down in the street. Widows, orphans starving to death. Babies born with the slightest defect or disposed, dispatched, discarded. This world doesn't know a thing about love. So you would give up on the world when Christ did not give up on us? Why not? No. Why not? Love is the only way. Love that suffers long. Love that is kind, that does not envy, that is not proud. Love that does not dishonor, that does not seek for itself. Love that is not easily angered. Love that rejoices in truth. Love that never delights in evil. Love that protects, trusts, hopes, endures all things. That kind of love. Give me your hand. The next little bit there, he says, do you believe it? He says, then write it down. So Luke writes it down, and we have the book of Acts. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got some lights, there we are. <laughs> You know, Paul, Paul says love is the only way, and it's, it's hard, it's, it's so challenging to respond in love when people persecute or make us suffer. But Jesus' way is to lay down our life and follow Him. Paul says love is the only way. We need to understand God's love, and to be honest, the gospel changes everything. When we truly understand the gospel, we, realize, we, we understand God's perspective on things, it changes the way that we view suffering. Suffering in this life is, is painful, but eternity is so much greater. And this life, when we suffer, it's an opportunity. If we know God's grace for us, it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate our hope in Him to those around us. As, as we suffer with our hope in Christ at times, it can be the greatest witness of our lives to those around us. Suffering, our perspective of suffering changes when we truly understand the gospel. Just imagine for a moment that you had a dog. There's a picture of a dog. And it, let's imagine this is the most beautiful dog you've ever seen. It's the most amazing dog. It's a wonderful dog. You have this dog... Actually, it's not really that wonderful at all. It's, it's a dog that when your friends come over to play, um, they bite your friends. And when you throw a ball, it runs the other way. You know, you know the sort of dog I'm talking about? This dog is terrible. 
It's, it's a pain. It's always ripping up the washing off the washing line. It's digging holes in the garden. It's just a disobedient, painful dog. Just imagine one day you go to the park and you throw the ball and it runs the wrong way again and it goes off and bites some other kid and the kids are screaming and you're going, oh no, that's my dog. And someone comes up to you and they say, look, I've got this special collar. Put this on your dog and here's the remote. You press this button and it will make your dog do exactly what you want it to do. And you're like, yes! And you go and you put the collar on your dog and you're like, this is going to be the best thing ever. You throw the ball and it starts to run the opposite way. You press the button and rounds it goes, off it goes, chases the ball, gets it, brings it back, drops it at your feet. You're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then your friends come over one day and you say, backflip. You press the button, it does a backflip. You're like, this is the coolest dog ever. Maybe. (laughs) But do you think you would have a great relationship with that dog? Do you think you would be proud of that dog? Do you feel you would be grateful for the dedication of your best friend, that dog? No way. Because that dog, every time you throw that ball and it begins to run off in its own direction and doing its own thing, and you press that button, it turns around in its physical body, but its brain is just going, I hate you. You're making me do what I don't want to do. And you can see it in its eyes, you can see it in its teeth. It's, it's doing what you told it to do, but it's just going, Ugh. You would not have a great relationship with that dog. It would do what you want it to do, but you would have no relationship. Because the reality is, love cannot be forced. Love cannot be forced. You can offer your love to someone, but, or you can try and help someone love you, or you can want someone to love you, but love cannot be forced. There would be no love between you and your dog if you just press buttons to control the way it does things. God's love, God loves us, He doesn't force us. God does not force us to worship Him. God does not force us to do anything we don't want to do. God does not force us to be kind to one another. God God is in control of all things, but He does not control us and stop us doing stupid things at times. God loves us. He doesn't force us. He gives us a choice, and the painful part of that is that so often we choose things that break God's heart. The way we treat each other, it breaks God's heart. The way we choose to live sometimes brings pain to each other. It brings suffering for those around us. It brings suffering to our own lives. But God doesn't force us to obey Him. We have a choice to to love Him, to love others, to obey Him, or not to obey Him. God is big enough. He is strong enough. He knows all things. He is all places. He, he could choose to control every single person and make them do exactly what He wants. Like that kid with the remote for the dog, he just presses the button and, what, you were going to punch that kid? Instead, you gave him a hug. You were going to say something to that person that was going to tear them down and instead you say, oh, I love the way you be kind to me. He, he could change the way we do things, but that's not His way. He loves us. He doesn't force us. Just imagine that you were able to have a conversation with God and convince Him, okay, this just isn't right. People are suffering and we've got to do something about it, God. You've got to start forcing some people. 
and you make a deal with God. It's like, okay, God, we should no longer let anyone commit murder. If someone is going to kill another person, God, you've got to intervene. You've got to zap them with your freeze ray. And when they're going to hurt someone, you just freeze them so the other person can get away. It's like, sound like a good idea, God? It's like, great, okay. It's like, but hang on. Some people, they, they live with, with injuries from things people do to them that they have to live the rest of their lives with pain and suffering because of something someone's done to them. So God, you've got to, stopping murder is okay, but you need to stop people from getting hurt by other people. If someone's going to hurt someone, God, you've got to intervene. You've got to, you've got to zap them. You've got to do something. You just wipe them out, God, so that people don't get hurt. But then hang on. It's not just physical things that make us suffer, is it? We, we are emotional, spiritual people, and sometimes people say things that tear us apart. People say things that emotionally scar us and can cause us to suffer for our whole lives because of things people have said. So God, no murder, no hurting each other, and no saying anything that's going to hurt another person. I wonder how many moments of our lives God would be beginning to control in that moment. But then hang on, sometimes we don't even intentionally say things that hurt other people. Sometimes we accidentally say things and we do things accidentally. We didn't even know we were doing what we did. And it hurts other people. So God, that hurts people too. You've got to stop that too. If God stopped us from doing things that made people suffer, we would just be robots. We would cease to be human. We would be puppets that were not human at all with no choice, no free will to do anything we would be robots. God has created us as human beings with choices and He offers His love to us. He calls us to come follow Him, but He will not force us. The sad reality of that is that we suffer, that people suffer. This life is hard, but God in His grace doesn't wipe us out like we deserve. I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. God chose, instead of trying to control our actions, to come and show us His love for us. He came and died on the cross. It's why we take communion every week to remind ourselves of God's amazing love for us, that even though we cause other people to suffer, we do things, we sin, we disobey God, Jesus came and He died for us upon that cross. And He says, please, Will you see my love for you? Will you listen to my call for you to come follow me? Will you turn away from living for yourself? Will you come follow me and live the life that I have called you to? He doesn't just want to zap bad people. He doesn't just want to wipe them out and, and get rid of them. Because you know what? There wouldn't be many people left, would there? We are all sinners. I think part of the problem is that we, we measure ourselves against one another. We, we look at the people around us and we sort of think, well, I'm not as bad as that kid that pushes everyone over at school. I'm not as bad as him. I'm, I'm not as angelic as my mum. She does everything for me. She washes my clothes. She makes my food. She, like, I'm, I'm not that good, but God, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm pretty good. And we measure and compare ourselves to... Uh, compare. You hear that, guys? Compare. That's that C word. Write that down. We compare ourselves to one another and we think, I'm not a bad person. If it's on a scale of 10, God, maybe those people, the ones and twos that are really, really bad, God, yes, yeah, you should wipe them out. But I'm, I'm like a five or a six, God. Like, actually, there was that one time I pushed that kid over at school. Uh, I'm not as bad as those people who, who gossip and talk about other people behind their back. Although there was that other time when I did that, maybe to God. But I'm, I'm not a bad person. We, and we compare ourselves and we think, God, 
we shouldn't have to suffer. We're not that bad. We haven't done that much wrong. But the reality is that we compare and we measure ourselves by completely the wrong standard. God's holiness, His righteousness, His standard is like the heavens are as far above the earth. And we compare ourselves with one another and God is saying, don't compare yourself with one another. Look to me, look at my love. Look at my standard, look at my love for you. Look at my grace, look at my forgiveness. I want you to become more like me. Don't compare yourselves with one another and think, oh, you're better than that person, you're better than that one. The reality is, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, For everyone has sinned. This is the good news that we have. Not, not that everyone has sinned, that's a reality. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, it doesn't finish there. But this is the good news. God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. Jesus died on the cross so that we do not have to be judged. God does not wipe us out as we deserve. He gives us grace. He gives us time to see His love and respond to Him. I wonder if you can think of any things you've done in your life where you know you did the wrong thing, but looking back, God's given you grace. He didn't wipe you out. He didn't treat us as we deserve. He's given us grace. And maybe later on in our life, we discovered who Jesus is and what He's done for us, and we've responded, and maybe He's, he's changed our life. We still struggle with temptation and, and sin, but He's changed our life. The reality is when people hurt us, when people say things about us, and maybe we feel like, God, send down fire from heaven, like, we'd like it to happen, but God doesn't do it when people hurt us, and, and it seems like that person gets away with it. You know, we can actually be encouraged and reminded of God's amazing grace for us. When people hurt us, when we see suffering, we can say, God, thank you that you have been gracious, that you have given us all time to see your love for us and repent. The suffering in this world shows us that God is patient, that God is waiting. He is not wiping us out as we deserve, but He is allowing us to see His love and respond. Suffering is hard. I don't want to make any light of that. But when we suffer, it simply reminds us of God's grace. If we have people hurting us, we can see God's grace for them. And say, God, help me have grace for that person as you have had grace for me. Imagine one day you're going somewhere in the car, and kids, obviously, you're not driving, your parents are driving, and uh, you're in a big hurry. Like, you've got a holiday to get to, and you're running late. Or you, you're in a big hurry, and, and, and I'm sure your, your parents would never do this, but they're going crazy, crazy fast. Like, they're driving down the highway at 200 kilometers an hour. And you're sitting in the back going, Dad, I think you should slow down. And you're in the car and, and then it happens, the police catch you. They pull you over and they, you, your dad winds down the window, your parents, whoever it is, um, they wind down the window and the police officer comes up and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the police officer's got his notebook out and he's going, do you know how fast you were going? I, I don't know what script people use, they, they, anyway. <laughs> 
digging a hole for myself here. <laughs> I've never been pulled over for speeding, I can say that. I have had a speeding fine, but uh, we all make mistakes, don't we? Amen. Anyway, so the, the police officer comes up to the window and he says, um, do you realise how fast you were going? You were doing 200 kilometres an hour. And he, and, and he says, do you know what the penalty is for doing 200 kilometres an hour? And I'm not exactly sure, I'm just going to guesstimate here, but you lose your licence right here, right now. Give it to me. <laughs> and you know what the other thing is? For your dangerous driving, for this level of speed, you're actually going to jail. It's pretty serious. It'd be pretty bad. That's the reaction I was hoping for. <laughs> and just imagine, you're sitting in that car, you're going, oh no, what are we going to do? Dad's going to jail. But then the policeman says to your dad, he says, but do you know what? I'm going to show you grace. You were doing 200 kilometers an hour, but I have some freedom to reduce that amount just a little bit. And I don't exactly know what the policeman, I, I know this happens, but I don't know what the rules are. But the police officer says, instead of writing down 200 kilometers an hour on this bit of paper, I'm going to write down 120 kilometers an hour. He says, you're, you're still going to have to pay a fine. But you don't have to go to jail and you don't lose your license here on the spot. Do you think your dad would be angry about paying that fine? He shouldn't be. <laughs> he should be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you so much. Thank you for setting me free from jail and losing my license. And as much as a speeding fine or a parking ticket is so frustrating, it just feels like such a waste of money, doesn't it? Yeah, anyway. You would reluctantly but graciously and joyfully, I believe, pay that fine. And you would go away rejoicing. Now, the reality is, in a way, it's a bad example of the grace of God. But there's a, a reality to it that I want to point out to you today, that God, Jesus has done everything for us to be set free. We are forgiven by the grace of God. Jesus has done it all. Our sin is gone. It is wiped out. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. God does not hold your sin against you. But the fine, if you want to say it that way, the reality is we still live in a world of sin. We still live in a world where there is people who say things and do things who hurt one another. And there is a, a time of suffering still, even though God has shown us His grace and His forgiveness. We don't get fined by God, but there is, a, there is still a time of, of suffering in this life as we wait for the fullness of all that God has done for us to come to pass. There's a, a suffering, there's a, there's a hard waiting in that. Sometimes even people who love God, who, who are following Jesus, say things and do things that we hurt each other. God, help us to be quick to forgive. Amen? Paul himself had been transformed by the love of God. He called himself the worst of sinners. And yet he rejoiced that he had the privilege of suffering for Christ. Suffering is hard, but if you know Jesus died for your sin, if you know Jesus suffered and died for you, if you understand that God has shown you grace, that He has forgiven you, that He has wiped your eternal debt away, it changes everything. Sure, we suffer. Sure, it's hard. But God, give us His perspective on the suffering that we go through. To love those who persecute us, to love those who make us suffer. To show grace as He has shown us grace. 
Thank you, Lord. I'm trying to remember which bit was next. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, today is Palm Sunday. I think, is that my next slide? No. Yep, yep there it is. <laughs> today is Palm Sunday. Today is the day that we remember that it was Passover time and people were coming into Jerusalem. They were, they were celebrating. It was, it was party time. It was, it was Passover time. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, they waved palm branches and they sang, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And they praised God as Jesus rose into town. They were so excited about Jesus and about the things that he'd been doing. And many of them were so excited about what they believed he was about to do. They believed Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans. They believed they were going to be free from the Roman rule and they were going to be set free. They believed he was a Messiah, but they thought he was going to do something entirely different to what he did. And then within a week, we know that these people that wave palm branches singing Hosanna, Hosanna and praise God as Jesus rode into town, shook their fists instead and said, crucify him, crucify him. Now I'm sure... Some of them were different people maybe, but I never want to be a person who when I come to church and we're in a time of celebration, lifts my hands and sings songs of praise and worships God, but then goes out of this church and goes into this life and face suffering and see things happen and go through things that I wish I never had to go through and I turn my back on my Saviour. I never want to be a person who, who worships God for the things I think He will do for me and then turn my back on him because he doesn't do the things I want him to do. We worship God not for what he will do for us. We worship God because he is our creator. He is our saviour. He is our Lord. And no matter what trials we face in this life, I want to lift my hands in worship and surrender to him and say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. This life is hard, but God, I praise you and I thank you because you are good. And your love is for me, even though this life is hard. I never want to be a person like that. We're going to watch one last little video clip. And it's of Paul, again from the Apostle of Christ movie. It's Paul as he meets with the Roman ruler who's, who's looking after him in prison, who's, who's the one that's been ordered him, whipped and beaten in prison. It's the one who's holding him captive in prison. And Paul has been so gracious, so loving, he has not reacted, he has not responded in a harsh or critical way to this Roman man. And within the movie, I haven't been able to check out the absolute facts of the details of this part of the story, but in the story, the, Luke and Paul have been part of that Roman ruler's daughter being uh, kept alive. She's survived because of their grace and kindness to them in that moment. And as we see this scene, I just want you to look at what Paul says to this Roman man and think about the words that he says as we watch this clip. Thanks, guys. Sound right up. Thanks, David. The Greek is alive. Oh, praise God. Because of him, my daughter leaves. He didn't have to save her. He sent me to a place for supplies. It 
was full of your people hiding out. He knew I could report them, have them all thrown into the circus today. I am grateful. My wife, my daughter are grateful. I only hope it has shown you something true. I am sorry for Nero's circus. I am sorry your people died today. Have you ever been sailing? Yes. Imagine yourself looking out at the vast sea before you. You reach down and you put a hand into the water and you scoop it up towards you. Immediately the water starts leaking through your fingers until the hand is empty. That water is a man's life. From birth to death it is always slipping through our hands until it is gone. Along with all that you hold dear in this world. And yet the kingdom I speak of I live for. It's like the rest of the water out in the sea. Man lives for that cup of water that slips through his fingers. And those that follow Jesus Christ live for that endless expanse of sea. What if after all this, I still do not believe in your Christ. I wasn't trying to convince you. <laughs> Listen to me. There's only a moment. It's not me. It is Christ himself that looks upon you and shatters your defenses. And in that moment, you will understand that you are completely known by God. And you are completely loved. I will pray that moment comes for you. the band to come now and this morning I just want to have a moment for us to stop and think about our lives and think about have we truly surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ? Are we living for what we can have in this life or have we surrendered to Jesus Christ and do we know that Jesus died for us that we could have eternal life? Do we, have we surrendered to the fact that He gave everything so that we could have life? Are we willing to follow Him no matter what we face in this life? Are we willing to continue to worship Him and honour Him through all our days no matter what we face? Let's encourage you to just close your eyes now and just think about your life this week. Just to think about the suffering maybe that you've been going through over the last week or months or even years. 
And I want to pray right now for that situation. You know, God can do the miraculous. God is able to do the miraculous in situations in our lives. He can bring healing of physical things. He can bring healing of emotions and memories. And God, right, I just pray right now for the suffering that people in this room might be going through today. Things that are happening, things that have happened in their lives. God, I, I want to recognize that that is not a small thing. And the pain that we go through is real. It is hard. God, I just pray for miracles to happen in people's lives and situations. I pray for testimonies, Lord, of your grace and your amazing moving in people's lives and situations. Whether it's a person that's just being totally cruel and harsh and unkind to us, that God, you might change their hearts and let there be a total turnaround. That that person we thought could never come to Christ, that they might understand and surrender to you, Lord, that they might become a brother or sister in Christ. We pray for those people to come to salvation in Jesus' name. And God, I pray this morning for anyone who maybe who, well, they've struggled through their whole life of, of seeing people in their life maybe who've suffered and thinking, God, how can I surrender to you when you allow these things to happen? But this morning you're realizing that the suffering in this world does not show that God is not kind. But it's actually God's grace that He allows us to have time to come to a realization of His love and, and, and repent. I pray this morning that you might break through that pain barrier in people's lives, Lord, that we might let that wall come down that we have allowed to separate us from you and your love. That we might ask for your forgiveness, God, this morning. Maybe kids, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never said, God, I'm sorry for my sin. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin that you rose again, that I could have new life too. This morning, you can say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I want to live for you. And even as Paul went through his life after he became a follower of Christ, that he, he suffered, God, I pray that you would enable us to say that it is a joy to live for you, whether we live or die, whether we prosper or suffer, God, that we would live this life for your glory and Lord, it would be a joy to us. It would be a privilege for us to live this life that we could tell people about your love, that we can show people your love. God, I pray that you would do your work in us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Just while everyone's got their eyes closed, if there's anyone here this morning and you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, please forgive me. I want to surrender my life to you. Whether you're five years old or 55, is there anyone here today that you want to make that decision? If you just want to give us a wave, I'd love to pray for you. If there's anyone here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else this morning that you want to just surrender and say, thank you, Jesus? Maybe you've given your life to Him before, but you know there's just been barriers come up between you and God. Maybe you've, you've suffered and you've sort of thought, God, well, if this is what it looks like, I'm, I'm out. This morning, you just want to surrender again to God and say, yep, help me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help these ones this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The truth is, you don't have to lift your hand, but if, you, uh, if that's your prayer, if that's your cry in your heart this morning, 
God hears your prayer. He hears your cry. I just want to pray with you now. God, we thank you for your love for us. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are helping us to see your love for us again today. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would help us to see your love day by day. That no matter what suffering and trials we might go through, that we would live for you with joy and gladness. That Lord, as Paul said, we would count it as a privilege that we could even suffer for you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to have strength in you. Help us, Lord, to, to point people to you even as we go through the trials and suffering we go through in this life, Lord. And we just thank you, Jesus, that we have an eternal home with you in heaven that will not change. It will not decay. It will never be taken away from us. Even when we, we, we mess up, even when we stumble, God, you do not take it away from us. Your, your forgiveness is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we just want to say thank you to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Can we stand right now? And we're going to sing this song as we continue.